What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, returns from San Diego, Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. Great to be back on the East Coast here, where time zones make a little more sense and baseball games don't come on at 9 in the morning, which is a very strange phenomenon to me. Uh, excellent job on the solo podcast last week, Graham. You're a regular Rush Limbaugh over here. Yeah, I, I well, great comparison, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a little it was a challenge. It was a struggle. Yeah, I bet. Um, it was weird. I was just sitting here like a, I just imagined someone walking in here into the, my living room while I was talking to myself like some demented maniac complaining about how we're not making any bullpen moves just waving my hands around <laughs> yelling into a microphone with no in the dark no one around it was uh very i'm sure it was very odd yep. for uh god or whoever was watching yeah you were like a uh, a, a wartime radio show from like the 1940s <laughs> or something just very to the point these are the facts uh got a little worked up as you discussed the bullpen of course but how can you not who wouldn't get worked up and, right and now here we are graham and I can't think of three days. I mean, even, yeah, there was a trade yesterday as well. Like, more action over the past, since Thursday night. So, we got a lot to get into today, Greg. We, we do. It's one of the more, more packed shows we've ever had. We have the MLB trade deadline where the Braves made a flurry of moves. We have the NBA draft. As you mentioned, the Hawks also made a trade yesterday after the draft. And the Falcons training camp just started. Well, Adam, let's start with the Braves. I think they're the team on everyone's mind right now. Setting records. A lot of uh, lot of oddities going on since the All-Star break. It's been win-loss, 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 win-loss. 14 straight games. The longest streak ever in Braves franchise history, dating back to like 1896. They, they just beat that team. Jesus Christ. Yeah. For all the mediocrity, though, Adam, and all the missed opportunities against the Mets in particular, still came out positive in that Nine-game road trip, five and four record against uh, Philly in New York. Split two with, uh, split four with Philly. Won three of five from the Mets. So, I mean, there were some missed opportunities, though. I mean, I think the Braves could have easily won four out of those five games, particularly the the game on the twenty eighth, which I think was the Wednesday night game. Uh, one of ten with runners in scoring position. Horrific situational batting and base running. Um, I mean, it was it was so frustrating. And this is and and even in pr- uh, prior games in that series, there I remember there was this moment where we had I think it was a runner on third, one out. Ozzy comes up, looks at two pitches, swings at something inside, pops it up. Horrible at bat. And Freddie comes up and. As a similar, I think he swung at the first pitch, was inside, jammed him. And it's like, what is this bullshit giving away at bats with runners in scoring position? We just have a horrible approach with that. Well, sabermetrics yeah. tell you you get your best pitch on the first pitch of an at bat, Graham. No need to work the count. Ugh. That's that's Chip Carey talk, Graham. But, well, who works a count anymore? The Dodgers. The Dodgers work the count. That's why they are consistently competing for a World Series every year. That's why they beat our asses last year, because they work the fucking count. We don't do that when we need to. And we also had another game, another series, where we score, like, what, 19 runs, but 15 of those come in one fucking game. It, it it's is, getting really frustrating, that, that whole explosion of offense and then just jack shit 
easy grab that you're getting too worked up too I know early. we're only like 10 minutes in the episode but <laughs> we it's got just, a, we got a lot to get into this team is infuriating they play teams well and they're, they're they don't I mean and on paper maybe they even shouldn't be playing as well without Ozuna and Acuña and guys like that but it's like you know we held our own against the Rays even though they won the series we held our own against the Padres you know and you know we played we're in the toughest part of our schedule we're playing teams who are competing for playoff spots and some teams in particular that are going to make the playoffs that we know of, like San Diego and Tampa Bay, and um, and the Mets, maybe. The but, Brewers this week. And the Brewers this week. And it's like, we are running with these teams. We just can't put together any sort of consistent effort outside of the starting pitching for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and then the day, we've been saying this for months now, like the days that, you know, Tukey's last start, he loses, had a brilliant outing, went set like seven innings, gave up one run. We scored none, and um, or maybe we lost two one that day. Either way, and then last night, Friday night against Milwaukee, we put up a four spot in the first inning against think, Burns, one your, of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah, you're like, holy shit, things are coming together. We got positive vibes from this trade deadline. We got Tukey on the bump; he's been lights out, and then he gives up seven runs. It's just like it's shocking how like the offense and the pitching just do not want to match up. No. On the same night. But the pitching overall has been really good from the rotation. I mean, especially going back to like what I think it was, I looked, a, looked up a stat the other day, like going back to like May 4th, we have like the fifth best starting rotation ERA in baseball. So yeah, it's been really solid. Yeah. I'm not as concerned that even though Tukey blew up last night, I mean, that damn effort against the Mets. I don't know if you watched that game because I know you were in, you were, uh, in the West Coast. I watched but. a good bit of that. I mean, he had a couple of pitches where I literally said, oh, my God. I haven't reacted to starting pitching like that in, uh, in some time. He was just dealing. His curveball, the splitter, location was fantastic. One of the things I talked about last week was, like, the key for Tukey that he mentioned when he was um, made his first start was, like, I got to attack guys. I got to work the zone. I got to get ahead of the count, which he was doing. He did not do a good job of that last night. He was walking people. He uh, hit a guy on the foot on a 1-2 curveball. Did not have the command over the pitchers that we saw in those first two starts. So you hope he can bounce back. But I'm not really too concerned right now about about the rotation overall. It's more of this hit-or-miss offense and this damn bullpen. And the bullpen actually showed out really well in that Wednesday game. They bailed out Smiley, who had a, had a bad outing. Only went four, I think, four and a third and gave up nine hits and three runs. They didn't give up a single run after that. Matzik Mat- seems like he's back. Matzik's back. he figured out how to manipulate the system with the uh stickiness issue yeah you know what i'm talking about the the tack yes where he was just terrible after right. this whole uh crackdown on the uh the tack mm-hmm. happened and uh he's been awesome recently so that that's good news yeah um luke jackson even though he had one bad game against the mets looked really good in that um that last game and i'm not really con- surprised to say i'm not really concerned about luke jackson but well he's a major league quality pitcher graham he is Unlike some, someone told me differently early in the season. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, I don't know who. How can anyone had that take when he had such a great career before this year? I mean, it's just very odd. It's like he 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 didn't take into the stock that you know people's skills improve as they practice more. You know. Yeah. And as they get more experience, kind of reminds me of a guy who was also saying like, "Why aren't we talking shit about um, Freddie Freeman?" Even though he's been a uh, you know. The best first baseman in baseball for the last like six years. Yeah, no, that that guy also <laughs> might have jumped the gun a little bit and should have realized that everything would revert back to the tr- the, the mean. And yeah, Freddie's been awesome. Yeah, 
Let's talk about Austin Riley for a second before we get into these uh, trades. Nine-game hitting streak, seven home runs during the nine-game hitting streak. He has been our most consistent player uh, since the All-Star break, I would say. Even before that, you could argue. Going back to, like, late May, dude's just been on a tear. And now he's exploding. He's now set a career high in home runs. He's hit, I think, 21. And there's still, you know, two months of baseball left. So, very impressed by his growth offensively. His discipline, his power has returned. And just the damn consistency. Because we saw him go through hot streaks last year. And, and also in 2019 before he got hurt. But now, it's just consistent as hell. He's one of the hottest uh, players in the game. Probably second to Joey Votto. Um, he's homered in seven straight games somehow. But Austin Riley's been unbelievable for us. His emergence and you know becoming a true cleanup hitter has really given us you know this opportunity to win every other game on the streak that we're currently doing. Otherwise, you know, who knows where we'd be without Acuna and Ozuna? So he has given us life. And you you go back to last year where he was he was what like a seven or eight hitter, and you never knew what you're getting out of him. But he's he's back to he's hitting to all parts of the field. It's not like his rookie season where he's just pulling home runs to left and people are just feeding him fastballs it's there's a scouting report on him now and you know he's just much like Luke Jackson he's gotten a lot better Graham yeah I mean I'm really impressed especially by the um the slugging percentage 528 on bases 371 those are excellent he's crushing the ball when he hits the ball he crushes it and he's drawn 42 walks this year it's exceptional by far the best third baseman since Chipper Jones yeah yeah although I know you loved Chris Johnson the uh, batting average balls in play, Lord. That yeah. dude, I knew it. That's when I first learned about that stat. He had like 430 batting average balls in play. And it was always funny, too, because it's like, he makes such soft contact and just lands right in front of the <laughs> outfielder somehow. And it's like, man, that that, that regressed like Almost crazy. Almost what a, hit, a damn batting title. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Austin Riley, phenomenal. Um, all right, let's jump in these trades. So Braves made a bunch of trades, as we mentioned. We acquired Adam Duvall yesterday. I think that was the first move. For Alex Jackson. For Alex Jackson. How that is a thing, I don't understand. Duvall's had a good season. He still doesn't get on base enough, but he's hit over 20 home runs. Definitely has the power in the defense and has, has you know value as a player. Alex Jackson has none. So I was really amazed that Anthopolis pulled off that move. Um, really fleeced the new Marlins general manager, for sure. Yeah, I don't understand because there there was all the reports about the Marlins being hesitant and not wanting to trade within the division. So you would think maybe that was just to drive the price tag up on Duvall a little bit, but you know, Alex Jackson is clearly just going to be like he's solid defensively. Like his the best he could be is like a good defensive backup catcher he's not gonna hit no like he's got a little pop he's hit three he had three hits in like two years yeah terrible. <laughs> he's terrible he's been brutal. offensively so phenomenal trade i mean especially considering all the catching depth we still have in the system yeah and we also got um eddie rosario from cleveland and we traded pablo sandoval for him rosario is having a very down year for his standards he's a guy that's capable of hitting you know 30 home runs and has uh, a lot of pop but he, he's just had a down season, sub-300 on base percentage. He's only hitting like 240. Um, been injured this year. But he's a guy that can run into a ball, plays decent defense. Um, so didn't 
hate that move, especially getting rid of Sandoval, who's just been an albatross ever since that early season run where he's hitting a home run seemingly every time he got up to the plate. He's only had one hit since, uh, I think, the beginning of May. So I think I heard a rumor that both teams are going to release um, their respective players. We were going to release Sandoval. They were going to release Rosario. So I guess it makes sense. They both wanted to get, you know, both teams wanted to get rid of those uh, respective players, and they did so. And Sandoval was immediately released after the trade, which I thought was funny. That one also doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would why would Cleveland just want to throw us a bone like that, though? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, don't you want to get something else? I mean, Rosario's not, you know, he's only 29. It's not like he's, you know, totally washed up or anything. And he's only, you know, one season removed from hitting, like, 30 home runs. So it's, uh, they must have just really just not given a shit about him. But, you know, in our desperation to get more outfielders, I would have at least uh, wanted a decent prospect you know right at, at the at a minimum like panda has less value than alex jackson i think yeah because at least jackson can you know play uh, a solid catcher defensively what the hell can pablo do anymore other than just be the you know the, the morale guy wearing the damn panda he's a bench coach yeah he- I, I mean i kind of i was joking with you yesterday but i was like we should just bring sandoval back as just like um you know, as a bench, shit, as a bench coach or something. It's not a terrible idea yeah. if he wants to stay in the game. Um, he's a guy you had to you had to pinch run for your best pinch hitter if he somehow got on base, which right. he hadn't done in like three months. Yeah, you were banking on him, um, you know, home run, right? Pretty much every time he came up to the plate. So I'm glad I'm glad that one's done because he was he was still being used as like our best pinch hitter. Yeah, when he. Clearly was not the same guy that he was for the first, like, two weeks of the season. So, yeah. I mean, I'm all for adding more outfield depth. So, another good move. Yeah, and if, you know, he can reclaim, if Rosario can reclaim his, you know, former status, I mean, it, it would it could be a boon. I mean, this is a guy that, like I said, in 2019 at 32 home runs, 2018, 24, 2017, 27. Um, you know, he's he's had a 500 slugging percentage two times in his career. Um and then in 2018, it was almost five, 500 slugging percentage. So this is a guy who's got some pop. Um, and let's hope that he can, you know, figure something out when he comes here. He's definitely been better uh, than he was at the beginning of the season. I had him in fantasy baseball. And I dropped him after about middle of May because I was like, he was not doing shit. And he's hurt all the time. But, you know, hopefully he gets his stuff together coming to the coming to the Braves. And then I thought that was it. We get closer to the trade deadline and we're not hearing right here and shit there's like five minutes left or something and then it comes out jorge soler 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 is coming over from kansas city and he was on the cubs right a while ago oh i, I didn't put two and two together yeah i think you're right but he's on the he, was, he comes from the royals but uh yeah he started his career in 2014 with uh chicago he was a guy who hit 48 home runs in 2019 Good Lord. With uh, with Kansas City, started every single game, slugged 569, was a 3.7 WAR player, had a uh, really bad 2020. You know, um, only hit eight home runs, obviously shortened season, but 228, 326, 443 slugging, and then this year he's just been pathetic. 192 average, 288 on base, 370 slugging, worth a resounding minus 1.2 WAR. However, he has hit four home runs in his last seven games. And people are thinking that he's starting to pick it up. Obviously, only two years removed from hitting 48 home runs. So there's something there. Even though, if you look at all his stats, um, 
he's never come close to that number in any of the other seasons that he's played. But that was also the first year he was a full-time player. So you're, I'm wondering what the Braves are thinking here. Is he going to be sort of your de facto pinch hitter? Or is he going to compete for a starting outfield spot? Yeah, I mean, look at what we've done now. Like, the outfield is... And I think for that trade, we gave up, like, our 18th-ranked prospect or something. Some dude in single A I'd never heard of. Yeah, I haven't heard of him either. Um, but, yeah, so in the last two weeks, we've gotten Jock Peterson. He's been very good for us. Soler, Rosario, Duvall. So, obviously, Heredia... Arcia or Almonte, or a couple of those guys got to go. I think Arcia's going back, probably to the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't really done a ton since he's been up. But uh, I guess you got Jock in center now. He's played like 400 games in center. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Duvall's in a platoon situation again with Solaire in left field. Could be. Or right field. I don't know. It upgrades our defense either way, though. Uh, but it, it's interesting. It gives us a chance. Like, these, these are all guys that are at least you know, average major leaguers versus what we were running out there before. Right, and they add some thump to the to the roster, which we've been lacking outside of, like, Freddie and um, Riley consistently in terms of people that can really hit home runs consistently. So, And that's the name of the game these days um, in the major leagues. So I, I think it's a decent move. We'll yeah. see what he can do. Um, even though he's had a down season, like I said, he's hot right now, right the hot hand. We know Alex is a big fan of launch angles and spin rates and all that bullshit. So he must be seeing something in the analytics that he likes, uh, the super advanced analytics. And obviously, when you hit 400 runs in seven games, it gets you know people's attention. Good time to bring him in. Yeah. So the last move, and then I was really pissed off because I was like, yeah, it's great. We're improving the, the lineup, but what about the bullpen? It's been our most, you know, the biggest Achilles heel there is. And there were also a number of, of guys available. Uh, Iglesias from the Angels was available. Kimbrell was available, even though the asking price for him was probably way too steep uh, for us to give in to that, considering we probably don't really have a a great chance of of winning the World Series this year, even if we brought in Kimbrell. But what we did instead was we got, and I wanted to get like two or three guys. We only got one, but the one guy we got is, is, is having a really damn good season, Richard Rodriguez. So he's got a 282 ERA. 0.83 0.83 whip. Those are both excellent numbers. And he saved 14 games for the Pirates this year. And the Pirates suck. So when he's gotten his opportunities, he's done a good job. He has blown three saves. Uh, don't know much about the guy, but he's been, uh, the last two years, a very good reliever. His, his stats last year are very similar. Um, so, you know, you're hopefully getting a consistent bullpen arm. And the good news also is he has, a, I think, one or two more years of additional uh um, service yeah, for his, that, for his contract huge. right now. That's huge. Especially, we we gave up <clears throat> the first somewhat big name, and Bryce Wilson was in this trade uh, to get him. And I'm fine with that. Like, I know you were a big Bryce guy uh, based off that one start he had in the playoffs. Yeah, a couple good starts this year, too. But. Yeah, but he, he just still hasn't consistently put it together. And he's, he's a guy that needs to pitch in a major league rotation every five days. Yeah. And I don't think he got a, a, enough of a chance, honestly, but regardless, we needed to make a move for bullpen help. And I think this helps the bullpen. So, yeah. And you know, Muller's kind of stepped ahead of Bryce and uh Tukey even after a couple of his starts. So I'm happy for Bryce to get an opportunity in Pittsburgh. And yeah, this Rodriguez guy having that extra two years of control is just huge for this deal. Because, you know, it's 
kind of accomplishes what we were talking about uh, the last time we podcasted with our hopes for the trade deadline where this is a trade. Yes, it gives us an opportunity to be better this year, possibly make the playoffs. And even if it's not a World Series team, which it most likely isn't, uh, Rodriguez is going to be a, a play a big factor next year. Mm-hmm. So that's another great deal. And that, that was very last minute. Apparently they had time stamped that at like with major league baseball at like three fifty six. Yeah. So, um, you had already sent me a scathing text about how ridiculous it is that we didn't get any bullpen arms. And then we got one of the best available names out there. In my opinion, I remember watching this guy pitch against us when we played the pirates a mm. few weeks back and he looked really damn good. So, I'll be excited to see him in a uniform, hopefully tonight. Cool. Yeah, and Duvall actually played last night, which was surprising I was able to get here so fast. The other guys should be here by by now. And uh, like we said, it's a critical stretch we're going through. Having faced uh, our top two divisional foes, now facing Milwaukee. I think we put the Cardinals again, who are you know fading, but they're certainly a competent team. Um, I think we play them after Milwaukee. So it's like, it, it's a tough stretch. It's a tough stretch we've been going through. They've been They've been hanging in. But God, can we just win a couple of games in a row? And we're going to find out if these moves will actually enable us to to do that. Uh, I'm glad we didn't trade within the division. And while you know you'd like to get you know Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or whatever, it's like you know Chris Bryant's a rental. You don't want to bring in Chris Bryant because um, he's going to be you're going to give up a lot for him. And this team's probably not good enough to win a, a damn championship this year. You know, the Mets went out and got Javi Baez. That makes their offense a little better. I think that's all they really did, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Philly also got Ian Kennedy from the Rangers, uh, who's been great for them as a closer this year. He was a guy I kind of was hoping we would go after, too. But um, so I think the top three teams in the division certainly improved themselves. I think the, the Braves made the most moves and probably will have the most improvement, I hope, especially offensively. It's it's uh, it's it's still very close division. We're still in, what, four, four games back? And I think... Uh, a half game back from Philly, so it's you know still going to come down to the wire. Um, you'd like to have taken more games for the Mets, but we didn't, and um, you just got to sort of just keep soldiering on and and see what happens. Yeah, they they still have that fighting will about them. Oh yeah, they're not giving up. You know for sure. You, even though so many of the pieces from last year are gone, they're still. I mean, I guess the heart of this team is Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. Ozzy Albie's right now. You know, Cunha's still with the team yeah, pushing them on. So they're not going to quit. And no. with that rotation being as solid as it has been, we, we got a fighting chance. Yeah. For a show and hopefully a new closer. I'd like to see Will Smith slide into the eighth inning role. That, that ain't going to happen, Bubba. No, that's snit loyalty right there, Bubba. I mean, Will Smith, he's only blown what, like two games all year. He's just an, he's a fucking roller coaster though. He allows too many guys on base. He's not consistent. I don't, I don't, I don't trust him. He in the makes you nervous. Oh hell yeah! I mean, it is shocking how he always gives up his hit to the first at bat, and then generally works his way out of it. It's just, but it's not, a, you know, it's just not a recipe for success. And he's been so inconsistent this year. I mean, he's been solid. He's what, saved like I think twenty over twenty games, but it's like, man, every time he st- steps on the mound, I'm like Jesus Christ, what a! It's, it's almost like uh, you're just. It's like being blindfolded and stepping off a, a, a fucking building and you're hoping that there's a, you know, you're only going to fall 10 feet, but you might fall a thousand and kill yourself. It's the a horrible hell, metaphor. What but the hell kind of analogy is that? <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get is what I'm trying to say. I don't think you knew where that sentence was going. I don't. I did not. No, no, I um, 
No, well, I, I, I would say this much, Graham, and I'll, maybe you'll agree with me. I don't want, I don't like the idea of a guy coming from a much smaller market uh, team where there really wasn't much pressure on being a closer and then bringing him to Atlanta where we're fighting for the playoffs, got these huge crowds at Truist Park, and then the pressure of closing. I'd kind of prefer to just stick with Will Smith, who's been getting the job done for the most part, and let this guy get his feet wet in the seventh, eighth inning. Yeah, I mean, you, you can look at it that way. You can look at it that way. Um, I mean, a similar thing kind of happened. Remember when we, when we got Shane Green? When the Shane Green trade, he came over and was <laughs> That's what I was thinking, yeah. was just From a he, terrible he, he, Tigers team, and then he was atrocious. Right, so it's like, I can see that that way of thinking. And um, we'll see what happens with, uh, with, with Snit's decision-making. All right, I think that wraps up our Braves coverage. Let's shift gears to the Hawks. Square! Hello, Mr. Hawk. Welcome back to the show. Square, square. Uh, you did pretty good on draft night, Mr. Hawk. Gotta say. Um, all right, so the Hawks made two selections on draft night, and the first one was Jalen Johnson out of Duke. This guy was hyped going into the, the, the season last year as one of those you know prototypical Krzyzewski recruits. Five-star McDonald's All-American, 6'9 forward, 220, you know, definitely can add some weight onto his body, some mus- more muscle on his body. But the athleticism was off the charts. And um, he came in, only played 13 games. He had two huge games, one against Pittsburgh where he dropped like 29 and 19. And there was another game where he scored like, like he had like 19 boards and 18 rebounds or something. I don't know, huge double-double numbers. And then he injures his ankle and then opts out the rest of the season, which was weird. And um, they didn't really disclose much about the injury. And so he, he quit on on Duke to focus on you know getting ready for the draft, which was odd. And then it's even weirder when you look into his past, where he kind of did something similar in high school. He bounced around like high schools in Wisconsin, and he he transferred to one high school, didn't play any games, and then transferred back to his old high school and played like nine games to finish the year. So there's some sketchiness to Jalen Johnson. Um, in terms of, I would say, character based off, you know, quitting on teams in high school and then quitting on Duke, um, which I don't like. But you look at the tape, you look at, um, you know, those two big games he had, and it seems like the potential is there. He just didn't really get, um, or he didn't give himself really a, a, a big opportunity to showcase that talent. But a lot of people thought going into the season last year, the college basketball season, that Jalen Johnson was going to be a top five pick. Like that he had, he's that caliber of player. So we'll see what happens with this. It's an interesting pick. And it's one, I don't mind the Hawks taking a risk like this in the draft because we have so many young players. If he doesn't pan out, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's certainly a value pick. Yeah, He's a guy, I don't, I don't think we even worked him out because they didn't expect him to fall to 20. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were shocked that he was there, but they certainly weren't anticipating it. Uh, in terms of the character issues, I, I do know that we at least did, like, our guys sat down and interviewed him, at least. And it right. sound, sounds like he was pretty apologetic about it and regrets leaving Duke. And now that I think about it, it's, it is silly that they have to go play one year of college ball. Like, clearly he wasn't going to stay at Duke. No. So, you know, if he's hurt, why not just make sure that he's ready for the draft? I, I get that. But I, I I wouldn't mind it as much if it didn't also happen in high school. Yeah. Like the similar thing. But 
yeah, I get what I get what you're saying too. And he's also, you know, a 19 year old kid. He's not a fully grown man. He hasn't matured. You know, your brain hasn't stopped developing until you're 26. Um, your frontal lobe, I believe. Yeah. So it's like he's got a long time to develop his his character, and that's not to say he's a bad guy or anything. It's just based off those two things. It makes me go interesting. You know, it makes me question him a little bit. But I don't know him. We don't. You know, he's probably a really super nice kid, and he's probably a great guy. I don't know. But um, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I I don't like the pick because of that. It just gives me cause to pause for a second to think about that. We, we've got bigger character issues that we've dealt with in our Atlanta sports athletes. True. This year specifically. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not too worried about that. Uh, in terms of his actual game, it sounds like he's an elite in the positives. He's an elite passer. Yeah. For it, his size. Right. Uh, so I know I know that, and he's great in transition. Yes, very explosive off the pick and roll. So you know you can envision when I was watching the highlights, I was like, man, I can just envision him catching some lobs from Trey. And um, his shooting needs a lot of work, from what I'm hearing. It's a, it's not a consistent stroke. I think he shot like 44 percent from three at Duke, but, but he didn't take that many. Threes. Yeah, very he took small like five threes or something. Very small sample size, but that that's something that can be improved. Like we've seen. John Collins improved. There are a lot of John Collins comparisons. Not necessarily that he's going to be as good as John Collins is, but like that's that's especially being taken at 20. We took John Collins at 19. We didn't expect John Collins to be there at 19 necessarily. So you can certainly see the comparisons, but we have the luxury of taking a value pick like this because we're so deep and we don't need either of these rookies this year to contribute. No. Like... If we if there's injuries, sure. I would anticipate Johnson getting his minutes in College Park, but you know, we'll we'll throw him in, but it's not like in years past where it's like we're rebuilding and we need to get these rookies minutes now. It's not it's not gonna be the reality this year. Right, which is fine. And another issue where he struggles apparently is turnovers. He actually averaged more turnovers than assists. And he's just apparently not a great half court offensive player. But you get him into the post, you get him in transition, he's pretty damn good. And also he crashes the boards. You know, we, we need more size. We need more rebounding. Um, even though we have the rebounding champion and, and, and Clint Capella, and Collins is a good rebounder too, you can't have enough guys who are, who are good rebounders in this league. Because that was one of the biggest things that screwed us this year in the playoffs to me, outside of all the injuries, was um, you know, we gave Milwaukee so many second chances in that Eastern Conference Finals. And that was one of the big reasons why they won. And we gotta, we got to limit that shit. And uh, we we also got crushed by their 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 front court it was just overwhelming you know there's just so many guys that could kill us in the paint and we didn't we just couldn't match up so we need more we need more big bodies so could be a good pick could be a good pick I think and um, we'll just you know we'll watch them in summer league and uh, see what happens which is starting up in like a little over a week I believe so NBA is like year round now yeah it's wild I mean it was like October to July and then the draft and then summer league starts like. In August. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's just because of the COVID and pushing everything back. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's been, I mean, I'm happy about it because I, I still feel like I've got that, the playoff high going with the Hawks. So I, I'm soaking in any Haw- Hawks content I can get, Graham. Yeah, I miss talking about the Hawks. And I guess the Jalen Johnson pick, he could get some minutes earlier in the year because other big news, Okongwu had surgery. Do you remember what it was? It was his shoulder. 
his shoulder shoulder issue. So that's kind of kind of came out out of nowhere. But he's he's going to be out for probably half the season already. He said which, six months, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. with the strides he was making, and he was going to be a huge piece. Another thing that sucks for Okongwu is that he didn't really get the chance to do, you know, summer league or or training camp or anything because of damn COVID. And um, now he's not going to be able to do it again in his second year because of this injury. It just sucks for his development. Um, and you hope that it doesn't stunt his growth as as a formidable front court presence, which we we saw at times, particularly in the postseason. Yeah. And- Johnson's probably a little small. I mean, they project him as a four. Could possibly play the three if uh, his shooting improves a bunch. But I don't. I don't see him being able to fill like a backup center role. So that's going to have to be addressed at some point this offseason as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see us going out and and getting some more more big guys for sure. And and I know. I know uh, well, well, actually, when free agency starts, which I assume will happen quite soon. Yeah, I think it's beginning of August. Yeah. So, sorry about the 48th pick that we got. Uh, Sharif Cooper from Auburn, who had a hell of a season last year. And SEC basketball is back, Adam. I didn't know if you realize this, but they had more teams in the tournament than the ACC. I think they had like six or seven teams in the tournament. So I did not know that, Graham. It's, it, was, it was one of the better conferences last year. Wow. And um, he became... Uh, one of two guards in college basketball history to average at least 20 points and eight assists per game as a freshman. Can you tell me who the other player is, Adam? Is it Trey Young? It is Trey Young. So that's exciting. Um, he's a very small guy. I think he's like six six feet, six one, six one, buck sixty five. But and Trey's more like six three, isn't he? I think Trey's only like six one or six two or something. Yeah. I, mean, he, I mean, I think they're comparable size. But I think Trey has like 20 pounds on him. Um, so he's a very, very small guy, but man, he played at a high level last year. I think it was like 21 points and like 8.8 assists. So, um, I love this quote from Bruce Pearl talking about him. He, uh, Bruce Pearl was his coach at Auburn. He says, uh, he's a guy that if you pass on, it can come back and bite you in the ass. He has a chance to be great. He's done it at every level and he's done it at every level when he wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to be the best player on the Nike circuit. He wasn't supposed to be able to do what he did in high school and in the SEC. He did it. His teammates respect him. He's the hardest worker on the team. He's a gym rat, and his opponents fear him. That's a if that if that's not a uh, <laughs> a great recommendation. I don't know what is. I don't know if he's going to play. Like we don't know if Johnson's going to really play that much this year. But I like this because we need more depth in the in in the in the backcourt. I know we have a good backcourt, but you know we don't really have anybody to be the uh, backup point guard. And I know we made that trade, which we'll talk about. But this kid could develop into someone that could be a potential hybrid player, you know, a, a one-two kind of thing. You know, he could potentially play backup point guard. He could also maybe get some minutes at the two as well. So I, I like I like this pick. I, I don't think there's a world where him and Trey can play on the court at the same time, though. So the comparison to him is, like, it's Trey Young, but without the shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, elite passer, elite ball handler, uh, can get into the paint. He just he's not a good three point shooter though. Yeah, you know? can't can't shoot very well and like defense is Trey Young or worse. So I don't think there's a world where these two can play on the court at the same time. And that's fair. Yes, ideally you would love him to run the second unit. I definitely don't think it'll happen early on. He'll no. get it he'll get his time at College Park. But talk about a value pick here. This, this one is awesome. Uh, he was a guy that 
we were scouting to possibly draft at 20 overall. So, you mean, I mean, for our first pick to be potentially top 10 talent and this guy to be top 20 talent and get him at 47, 48, wherever it was, it's pretty, pretty, pretty great by the schlank once again. And like, we'll develop them this year and hopefully get them some minutes at some point. But yeah, this kid seems very intriguing and high character guy. I, I know they were stories about how I guess he didn't get in his first game until 14 or 15 games in he had some COVID issues and he had to isolate and Bruce Pearl was talking about how he he was working out on his own the whole time and then comes into a pretty tough environment and drops like 20 and 10 on them in his first ever college game so uh yeah potential potential stud we'll we'll, we'll see how he develops and then Hawks made a trade, Adam, which you reported this morning. Well, you didn't report it, but you, you, you saw it on Twitter, and you're going to report it to our users. I did report it to you, Graham, and I will also report it to our users. We added a backup veteran uh, point guard, Dellen Wright from Sacramento. So it was a three-team trade. Boston was involved. We end up dealing Chris Dunn and... Uh, Bruno Fernando. So, two guys who, I mean, Fernando is just trash. Fernando is pretty much the Alex Jackson of backup centers in terms of he he wasn't going to have a place here. And Chris Dunn, yeah, let's never talk about Chris Dunn. (laughs) Last time. So, this is great news. And Dylan Wright, uh, he, he played about 30 minutes a game last year, averaged a little over 10 points a game, around five assists per game, five rebounds. So he's a legitimate player. Like this is going to be a solid backup point guard to have. I, I don't know what this is. This could be the end of the Lou Will era. I don't, yeah, I don't think it needs to be. I, I think we could still have a spot for Lou as the two on the on the second unit. Um, Maybe you still want that scoring punch, but I think this is a good trade for us, uh, and it addresses one of our major offseason needs. Yeah, I just don't see a, a need for Lou Williams now, especially if DeAndre Hunter's healthy. Um, I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe you bring him back, but I think this move signifies that it's probably not going to happen. And I will say this last thing, last bit on the draft, is that Schlenk has consistently proven he's missed on a couple of picks. Who doesn't? Every GM misses on a, on a couple of picks. But the fact that he was able to get Collins at nineteen and Herder at what twenty, whatever it was, and those two guys have been so freaking huge for us, particularly. You know, Collins during the whole rebuild and last year, and then Herder's development, especially last year. And Herder carried us to the Game 7 win against the 76ers to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the value that Schlenk gets in these picks are, for the most part, outstanding. So you got to trust his judgment, regardless of what you think about Johnson or Cooper and any of their shortcomings. you got to trust in Travis Schlenk when it comes to the draft. Believe in the Schlenk. And it's just such a luxury that we have to where we don't need these guys to hit. Like if they're misses, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. We're, we're not in a desperation mode. Um, but I guess the other thing we need to discuss is all the rumors leading into the draft of Cam Reddish being on the trade market to where they realize that they're not going to be able to sign all of these guys mm-hmm. as we've discussed multiple times on this podcast. So I, I think the thought is Cam Reddish's stock might not be, ever be higher mm-hmm. than it is right now after his playoff performance. But I'm, I'm glad we didn't end up making a deal because I really want to see Cam play for a full year under McMillan. Yeah, and also it's like, 
man, I would hate to just move up in the draft. If you're going to trade Cam for like Bradley Beal or something, so be it. I mean, that would be a straight up trade. We'd have to give them more, but you know, I'd be fine with that. Sure. But do not trade Cam to just move up in the draft. I'm so thankful we didn't do that. There were so many rumors on Twitter right before the draft. I, I wasted so much time reading all this bullshit about how this is. We were going to trade up to 13 to trade with the Pacers, and we're going to give them Cam Reddish. And it's like, why the fuck are we doing this? I mean, we, we didn't, but I was like, why the fuck is this even a, a possibility? I'm so glad that that didn't turn out to be true. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the logic behind it, but I'm, I'm happy we uh, stood pat because, I, I mean, I just want as much depth as we can possibly have on this roster. As we saw last year, it, it was all needed. Um, so hopefully we've added a little depth through the draft as well. And let's go. Summer yeah. League, baby. There's a rumor this morning, Adam, that NBA Central was reporting on that said the Hawks – and John Collins are potentially looking at a four or five year deal worth $120 million. Oh, wow. So, not the max, but if that's true, it would be $30 million more than what the Hawks offered him last year. And that was really one of the, some of the best news from the draft was uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who's highly respected as one of the most uh, in touch reporters in the NBA. Uh, Basically said other teams are not really looking at John Collins as a viable candidate to sign anymore. And it's widely thought that the Hawks are going to re-sign John Collins. Yeah. Which is, I think it's good news. That's absolutely great news. And I know we talked about like the whole, is he a max player, is he not? This would not be a max contract, by the way, if it was $120 million, So that's good news there. Even though it's a, a big deal. I mean, we talked about it last night off air, but how important John Collins is to this team. In all facets, rebounding, defense, and offense. I mean, he's not going to put up big stats because, or as big a stats as he used to, because you have Clint Capella in the post. He can't stay in the post as much as he used to. Um, you know, Clint Capella is also being used more in the pick and roll. That's going to take away opportunities for John Bogdanovich, Gallinari. Uh, you know, those guys. Uh, even in the emergence of Hunter being a, a critical part of the offense last year, took away chances for John to really, you know get more opportunities offensively. But John impacts the game so greatly and plays good defense. He was a huge part of why we got as far as we got, even though he had his ups and downs in the playoffs. He still, you know, balled out quite a bit and did a lot of little things that you, that go unnoticed. And he had multiple double-doubles, and he had that fucking posterized dunk on Joel Embiid that was like the coolest shit I've ever seen. So, I mean, I love John. I've always loved John, and he's an incredibly valuable part of this team. If we're able to get him and not handicap ourselves for the future too much i mean the, the thing is if you lose him who do you replace him with that's such a that's a void i mean that's just a huge void that gets created in the center of in the heart of this team that will be damn near impossible to replace yeah and the thought was always a kongu but i'm sure with okongu's injury now it's like all the more reason it's like you you've got to resign john yeah. collins like we would take at the end of the day we, t- we would take a big step back without him and he is he is a glue guy i agree i love john as well he frustrates me at times but who doesn't? And he's still young. and Goddamn 24. He could still be getting better as well. Well, yeah. So he's kind of coming into his prime years now. And we've seen the improvement, particularly from three-point range. Right. That's only going to get better. That's only going to get better, yeah. yeah. So let, let's get it done. Please, let's re-sign John Collins. Let's re-sign Freddie Freeman. Let's end this madness of speculating about stars leaving Atlanta. We got to keep our stars in Atlanta, Graham. Yeah. We don't have the luxury of just like you know, spending whatever we want and getting people to come here. Yeah, buying championships like the fucking Dodgers. If we have players that want to play in Atlanta that are good, 
You got to keep them, Graham. <laughs> I'm running for office on that. It's pretty fucking simple. I'd vote for you. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, Adam, let's talk about the redheaded stepchild of the Atlanta sports world of the last four years, your Atlanta Falcons. Mm. They started training camp, Adam, a new regime. Started training camp three days ago. Reports have been that there's a completely different attitude in Flowery Branch than there has been in some time. Gone are the bullshit slogans, the relaxed attitude. Everyone's getting in everyone's ass. And it's Whoa. it's violent. It's disgusting. People are, are it's a high level of competition. And uh, it sounds like this team is going to have a brand new identity, which it desperately has needed for the last three years. Goodbye, brotherhood. Welcome to the Arthur Smith School of Hard Knocks. Do you have uh, Grady's quote pulled up there? I think we, we, we need to go ahead and read that on air. Yeah. Let me. Uh, here's what Grady said. It's deeper than the message. It's about the product on the field, putting the work in. Coach Smith made it clear that we're not going to be about slogans and all this whatever. The best player is going to play. The toughest dude is going to play. Ain't no fluff. We're going to try to get the best out of everybody day in and day out. I can't do nothing but respect that, and I love that about him. If that's not a knock at Dan Quinn, I don't know what is. Yeah, and I love it too how Arthur Blank, let me throw some shade at Arthur here, he said uh, when he was getting uh, grilled about Atlanta United's whole bullshit that's been going on with you know firing of their coach, he's like, I'm not really a, a patient owner. I, I If I was eating or drinking something, I would have choked or spit it out or maybe died on the spot. I'm like, you're the most patient owner in the world. You kept Dan Quinn around for four fucking years. Oh, I thought you were saying that. I thought that was the end of the quote. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <Eating> no. <or laughs> okay. I wish Arthur Blank said that. No, it's just so, me rambling quote, like an idiot. And then that's where Graham comes yeah. in. Yeah, it's like, you're not a patient owner? I was like, get the fuck out of here. Well, I, I think he probably thought keeping Dan Quinn around was the best opportunity to win at the time, based off Dan Quinn's the only coach in the last, what, 25 years to get to the Super Bowl. I guess, but also, I mean, and Thomas Dimitrov's another example of that. Kept him around for 14 years. He didn't draft one good defensive end in that time. Yeah. I mean, no, it's pathetic. It's it's shocking. And yeah, no, Arthur wants to win. I I, I want Arthur to win. Obviously. I do too. I give him a lot of shit. He's done a lot of great things. He's, he's definitely the best owner we've probably ever had of any of the teams, I would say, because he's stuck with it. He's, you know, put his money where his mouth is. He's done a lot for the community, but... Jesus Christ, man. You, you, you are a patient owner. You want to win, but yeah, you're, you are a patient owner. Hopefully that's changing. D- two things on that. First, with the Grady quote. Yeah. I, I'm happy for Grady that like he's our best player. You know, one of our best players. We got to keep him happy, and this feels like refreshing for Grady. Yes. Like the, this change in regime. So, he doesn't talk a lot either. So when no. he's saying shit like that, you yeah. listen. So that, that, that's great to hear. And then... On Arthur Blank, another part of that interview with him was talking about asking about Julio and like if Arthur was like personally offended by him leaving and all that. And Arthur said that he tried to reach out to Julio, but never actually got a hold of him. They had a 10 year relationship, and you know, Arthur Blank was always looking out for Julio, pushed these contracts through before they actually needed to be done. You would think that when Julio requested the trade, he would at least take a phone call from Arthur Blank. Like, that's not how you do business. No. That, that's really bad. And, like, I, I love Julio, but that, that, that's, a, that's a terrible look. That made me lose a little bit of respect for Julio Jones and feel bad for poor old Arthur Blank. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, uh, that's low. Low move by Julio. 
don't really have much to say about that. I agree with everything you said. That sucks. Any major takeaways from the first couple days of no, training it's just, camp for it's you just, besides it, that? It's just a high high intensity, no bullshit kind of stuff. Everything's earned. That the talk that we got and you know, when those guys were hired about, you know, nothing is given is is so far proven to be true. Yep. And um it makes me even though I still think this team's only gonna win probably six games this year, because of this horrendous defense, it makes me more excited than I have been probably since twenty seventeen for a Falcon season. Yeah, I mean, and we're, what, a little over a month away from watching football again? So, I mean, that's exciting for us, Graham. For sure. Looking forward to it. And that really wraps us up, Adam, I think. There's not really much else to go over. So, hope you guys are doing well out there. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Not for Thomas Hospitalism. All right, Adam. I think that Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that at the end. <laughs> <laughs>